right. Welcome once again to another episode of the Sports Beat with Richard Holridge. How is everybody doing here on a Thursday? We are getting closer to the weekend. Just a reminder that you are listening to us on WQEE 99.1 FM, the key out of Noonan. And we are brought to you by Ivy Park Sports Bar Grill, Christie's Cafe, the Man in the Mirror Podcast, and Local Grounds Coffee Company. And on the show today, I've got lifelong Georgia Bulldogs fan, Justin Dale. He's going to come on and talk about what it means to be back-to-back national champions. No other team in the state of Georgia can say that, except the Georgia Bulldogs. They will have a parade later this Saturday in Athens. It should be a lot of fun, and uh, we do have a fun show. I'm going to have a pretty busy week as I'm going to preview wild card weekend in the National Football League. Tomorrow's show, I'm going to talk about high school basketball and making his debut on the sports beat is WRBL's Tyler Redman. I am excited about interviewing this guy. He's been around Columbus for a while now. He started with the press box with Bobby Z. Can you believe the amount of star power that came from the press box with Bobby Z. I've had Thrift Barringer here on the show. I've had Buckets on the show. I'm about to have Tyler Redman on the show. And of course, everybody knows Josh Pate. It's just incredible. But let's go ahead and get right into the show. I'm going to start things off talking about the Atlanta Hawks. You know they were on ESPN last night, right? Taking on the Milwaukee Bucks, one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference. You know they were down... 24 points in the third quarter. They did claw all their way back. I actually watched some of the game in the fourth quarter. The Atlanta Hawks do have some players that could make runs. They even took the lead in the game. Remember, they're playing without Trey Young. Giannis only had seven points, but the Bucs have a special player who is a closer, Drew Holiday, with 27 points, and he made big buckets when it mattered the most. I know that that's what we want to see in Trey Young. And Trey is not a two-way player. He doesn't play defense. How special is Drew Holiday for the Milwaukee Bucks? He is one of the best defensive guards in the NBA, and he can also make big buckets. And the Atlanta Hawks, once again, lose. They lose at home, 114-105. to This game was on ESPN. And I think the Atlanta Hawks are in danger of missing out on the playoffs altogether. Now, if that happens, I believe Nate McMillan is going to be let go at the end of the season. I mean, I'm a Hawks fan. I was optimistic. When they traded all those draft picks to get DeJounte Murray, I thought the Atlanta Hawks were going to compete for the Eastern Conference, maybe even get to the Eastern Conference Final. But at the minimum, I was thinking the Hawks were going to be a second-round team. They have not done any of those things. They have underachieved. And I think that it is about coaching. I think that Nate McMillan, who actually was a good coach, taking over for Lloyd Pierce and leading the Hawks to the Eastern Conference Finals in 2021, I think that was an anomaly because you look at the other teams that were broken. The Atlanta Hawks are a borderline playoff team, even with their core players. And I like their core players. I know that there's talks that John Collins is on the trade block, but this is the team they have. Even with all their pieces back, 
I like DeAndre Hunter. I think that he has potential to be an all-star because he is a good two-way player, but he can't stay healthy. And so the Atlanta Hawks drop to 19-23, and and they will take on the Indiana Pacers this Friday in Indiana. And the Indiana Pacers has been the most surprising team in the Eastern Conference, I believe. Benedict Matherin, he is one of the top rookies. Tyrese Halliburton, if he's not an all-star point guard, I don't know what the criteria is because he's had an all-star season for the Indiana Pacers. And I think that trade with Sacramento, shipping Dombatatis Sabonis to the Kings and the Kings trading away Tyrese Halliburton, which they had to do because they have De'Aaron Fox. That was a pretty good trade for both teams. And it's actually worked out for both teams. But man, the Atlanta Hawks, if you look at the standings, they are a half game ahead of the Chicago Bulls for the ninth seed. So they would get into the play-in game. But, you know, the Bulls lost two. The Toronto Raptors have won two. It's a tight race for the final couple of spots. And it looks like Indiana and Miami are starting to pull away as well. The Hawks are two and a half games behind the Miami Heat, which the Heat, they had the number one seed last year. I don't know what's going on. But right now in the Eastern Conference, the Boston Celtics, I think they're going to the finals. They have the best margin of victory, and they have a very solid team. And I think that they are going to be dangerous when they have a full, healthy team because once Robert Williams came back, They're a much different team defensively, but Jalen Brown had a big game. Jason Tatum, they have some great pieces. A great defensive point guard in Marcus Smart. In the Boston Celtics, they still have players like Blake Griffin. You know, they got him for a minimum salary, and he was able to contribute to this team. The Brooklyn Nets are two games back. They're going to be without Kevin Durant for about a month. Brooklyn's only two back from the Boston Celtics. It's a three-way race in the Eastern Conference between Boston, Brooklyn, and Milwaukee. Now over to the Western Conference, Denver continues to win. Nikola Jokic almost had a triple-double as the Denver Nuggets beat the Phoenix Suns 126-97. to The Memphis Grizzlies beat the San Antonio Spurs 135-129. to Right now, the Denver Nuggets and the Memphis Grizzlies both tied at the top of the Western Conference with a 28-13 and 13 record. And behind them, the New Orleans Pelicans, three and a half back. They're going to be without Zion Williamson for a couple more weeks. And then the surprising team in the Western Conference, the Sacramento Kings that beat the Houston Rockets. They are, right now, they would be the number four seed. And it looks like that playoff drought is going to be snapped. But I still think that I'm waiting for the Kings' free fall. Because they do this every year. They start out hot, and then they can't close out the season. But the Sacramento Kings have, right now, I believe, two All-Stars. Domitatis Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox. They should make the All-Star team. Keegan Murray, he's averaging double figures coming off the bench. And Kevin Herter, what an acquisition that has been for the Sacramento Kings We had college basketball last night, and I am excited about the Georgia Bulldogs. Just when their football team wins their second straight national championship, well, their basketball team 
took to the hardwood at Stegman Coliseum, where they took on SEC opponent Mississippi State, who was ranked at one time. Mississippi State fell out of the top 25. Georgia gets the 58-50 win. And the Georgia Bulldogs have doubled their win total from last season. They are 12-4. They are officially a bubble team. And I think that if Georgia gets to 18 wins, that is the magic number. You get to 18 wins, and I think that you can consider them sneaking into the NCAA tournament. Then we go into bracketology, which I'm going to have some bracketology shows. I don't really see some quality wins. I know they beat Notre Dame. I think that Auburn, if they are going to be ranked, that could be a quality win. But Georgia's got some winnable games coming up on their schedule, including some home games against Vanderbilt, South Carolina. They should win these games. I think that what Mike White has done, is he not coach of the year? I mean, this turnaround has been incredible for the Georgia Bulldogs. I can't believe I'm saying they're 12-4, and and I'm getting excited about Georgia Bulldog basketball. If you're an Alabama fan for basketball, Alabama's got a legitimate shot at going to the Final Four. Right now, the latest bracketology has got them projected as a number one seed. That would be an easy path to get to the Final Four. And Alabama has been impressive. You look at their resume. They knocked off Houston. They knocked off North Carolina. Their two losses were to Gonzaga and UConn, two top teams. They go on the road in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and get the upset over the Arkansas Razorbacks, 84-69, to after they beat Kentucky over the weekend. The Alabama Crimson Tide, led by head coach Nate Oates, had a deep run a couple of years ago. They were a number two seed, but they did lose to UCLA. I believe Alabama is going to have a deep run in the NCAA tournament and possibly get a number one seed. But if you look at the Alabama Crimson Tide schedule right now, they are 14-2. They take on LSU this Saturday. I've got penciled in, in the month of February, February 11th. It's on a Saturday. They travel to the Plains to take on Auburn. That's going to be a huge game. And Auburn travels to Tuscaloosa on the 1st of March. Who would have thought that Alabama and Auburn would be a must-watch basketball game? I think that Alabama is great at basketball because they saw what Auburn did reaching the Final Four in 2019. And Nate Oates has mirrored what Bruce Pearl has done at Auburn. All right, let's talk a little bit about Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech loses to Notre Dame. And once again, Georgia Tech gets into their ACC schedule and it just doesn't work out. They actually lost to Notre Dame on Tuesday night, 73-72 to in overtime. And Georgia Tech is 8-8 eight and eight on the season. They are taking on Pitt at McCamish Pavilion this Saturday. You can watch that game on the ACC Network. I mean, Georgia Tech is just one of those teams. They beat a ranked Miami team, then they lose two straight. But I'm starting to see a pattern that the Georgia Tech basketball team is a much better team at home. They are a completely different team on the road, and they are just hovering right at 500, and I think that Josh Pastner is going to be out of a job. I mean, this is really a very disappointing performance 
by Georgia Tech. This same Georgia Tech team that made it to the NCAA tournament a couple of years ago, but they lost to Loyola Chicago in the first round. But that year they got hot. They rattled off a bunch of wins in the regular season, and they were able to make it into the NCAA tournament because they were able to win the ACC. But nah, I expect more out of Georgia Tech. They have a lot of tradition and history for producing great future NBA players. Well, it was a tough night for both the Columbus State Cougars and Lady Cougars last night in the Lumpkin Center. Let's start with the Columbus State Cougars where they lost to Young Harris, 69-54. to And Columbus State is now 9-6 on the season and 2-3 in the Peach Belt. Young Harris having a great season in the Peach Belt, improves to 13-1 and 4-1 in Peach Belt play. Columbus State scored a season-low 54 points, but Kalen Clifton led all scores. He had a season high with 14 points. Columbus State is looking to bounce back as they will take on Augusta University this Saturday afternoon at the Lumpkin Center, and you can catch the game on 88.5 Cougar Radio. Scott Miller on the call. The Columbus State Lady Cougars dropped the contest to Young Harris in a thrilling 80-78 game against their longtime rival. The Lady Cougars fall to 8-5 on the season, 2-3 in the Peach Belt. The Lady Cougars were led by Amelia Tenbrocks, 29 points. Alana Rawls also chipped in with 21 points. And the Lady Cougars are back in action at the Lumpkin Center this Saturday afternoon at 1.30 as they will take on Peach Belt opponent Augusta University. And a big shout-out to the Sports Information Director, Allie Kerr, for getting those articles and allowing me to cover Columbus State Athletics on this podcast. I'm hoping to get head coach Robert Moore and head coach Matt Hauser back on the show so we can break down some of these games. Now let's talk about the Columbus River Dragons. They're in action in Winston-Salem, North Carolina this weekend, taking on their biggest rival, the Carolina Thunderbirds. Columbus River Dragons come into this contest only losing two games all year. They have the best record in the Federal Prospects Hockey League. They have a hot goalkeeper, rookie Brendan Coolgan. The Columbus River Dragons will be back in action next week. It is Hometown Heroes Night on the 21st. They will take on the Carolina Thunderbirds once again But my word, the Columbus River Dragons having a great season. This is Boom Boom Bouchard's best team so far that he has had. 23-2-1, and they lead the Continental Division with 68 points. In the Empire Division, you got the Danbury Hattricks with 60 points. And the River Dragons are looking for home ice. They get home ice. I believe there's no stopping them. They could be hoisting a Federal Prospects Commissioner's Cup in May. And good luck to the Columbus River Dragons this season. We are about a week away from the opener in the NISL for the Columbus Rapids. They will travel to the Lander Center to take on the Memphis Americans, the men and the women's team, who've looked good so far taking on 
Lamento in the friendly for the men's team, and then Concord Fire South for the women's team. Their first home game is going to be February the 1st at the Columbus Civic Center against the Fayetteville Fury. I will be on the broadcast for their YouTube channel in the NISL and Beam East Alabama's cable provider. I'm excited to be on the broadcast for year two for the Columbus Rapids. It is club night, so if you belong to one of the soccer clubs, whether it's Concord Fire South, CYSC, the Opelika Crush, SUSA, you get in for free. So that is something to look forward to if you are a member of a club team here in the Chattahoochee Valley. All right. So we've got NFL Wildcard Weekend coming up. Starting with Saturday, the 49ers taking on the Seahawks. And it got me thinking, who is going to play in the Super Bowl? There's a lot of intriguing Super Bowl matchups. And right now, a lot of the experts are picking the Chiefs and the 49ers. I mean, the casual NFL fan does not want to see a replay of the Super Bowl three years ago. I mean, I'm the only person that actually enjoyed that Super Bowl. Not the outcome, just the fact that the 49ers were playing in that Super Bowl. But I've done the research. Do you know that the San Francisco 49ers, not since 2002, have the 49ers had an early exit in the NFL playoffs? In fact, the last time they lost their first playoff game was 2001 when they lost to the Green Bay Packers 25-15. 2002, they beat the Giants in the wildcard round and lost to the eventual Super Bowl champion Buccaneers in the divisional round. Then they had a long playoff drought. They did not make the playoffs until 2011, actually 2012 to 2011 season. But their last five playoff appearances, the 49ers have at least made the NFC Championship. And I believe they're going to go back to the NFC Championship this year. Their path to the NFC Championship as the number two seed looks pretty good. Even if the Giants upset the Vikings this weekend, The 49ers will take on the winner of the Buccaneers-Cowboys. I like their chances at home with a hot quarterback. Let's throw out the fact that he's a rookie. The 49ers are actually scoring more points, and Brock Purdy has 13 touchdowns, one pick in his last six games. But let's go down to every single path that the 49ers had when they made the playoffs. Let's start with the 2011 season. They did not have home field advantage that year. In fact, the 15-1 and Green Bay Packers were knocked off by the New York Giants. The Giants had a Cinderella story that year. They were 9-7. and They met the 49ers in, in the NFC Championship. I was on pins and needles. I remember watching that 49ers-Saints game in the divisional round, and we all witnessed the catch three. Vernon Davis in the back of the end zone. Alex Smith leading the 49ers to the NFC Championship. But, of course... Snake bitten by the two Kyle Williams fumbles. The Giants have eventually won the Super Bowl. 2012, that was the year that the Falcons had the number one seed. The 49ers had the number two seed once again. They beat the Green Bay Packers when Colin Kaepernick set an NFL record for rushing yards by a quarterback. It was a back-and-forth game, but there was no doubt that I knew they were going to win that game. They go on to face the Atlanta Falcons in the NFC Championship game where the Falcons had a 17-0 lead. And Colin Kaepernick and Frank Gore, they led the 49ers back to the 28-24 victory. 
and I really did not like the kicking game for the 49ers that year. They do face the Baltimore Ravens in the Super Bowl that year. That was the year that the lights went out in the Superdome, and the 49ers were five yards away from winning their sixth Super Bowl. All right, let's go to the 2013 season. The 49ers were the road warriors because the Seahawks were the division champs. The 49ers got impressive road victories against the Green Bay Packers in frigid temperatures in Lambeau. I think it was like 10 below, but they were able to get the narrow victory over the Packers, which Aaron Rodgers was injured most of the year, and the Packers won the division, got to host a playoff game. And then the game against Carolina the following week felt the 49ers were the better team. They do travel well on the road, but I felt they were exhausted by the time they got to Seattle and played the Seahawks in the NFC Championship. And I've posted this on my social media. The Richard Sherman tip pass completely put the 49ers in a tailspin for a couple of years. It wasn't until Kyle Shanahan got there in 2017. And what Kyle Shanahan has done as a coach to get the 49ers in his last three seasons at least twice to the NFC Championship and possibly a third time this year. That has been an impressive coaching performance by Kyle Shanahan, but you got to give credit to their GM, John Lynch, who has made home run picks. I know the 2017 NFL Draft, it was off to a rocky start, drafting Solomon Thomas and Reuben Foster, but you know, they got George Kittle in the fifth round that year. And really, can we give him a big shout-out for getting Brock Purdy in the seventh round? Mr. Irrelevant. Not Mr. Irrelevant anymore. And Brock Purdy, I think he could actually compete for Offensive Rookie of the Year in the NFL. I mean, look at what he's done. I know that it's a small sample size and it hasn't been a full season of stats, but he has the best quarterback rating out of all the quarterbacks, and that includes Patrick Mahomes. I think the 49ers should be fine on Saturday against the Seattle Seahawks. I know that the Seahawks with Kenneth Walker, they got a pretty great running back, but the Niners' defense stops the run, and Nick Bosa, all-pro defensive end, led the NFL in sacks with 18-and-a-half. Has he not been the most important player on defense for the 49ers? The 49ers just have the best roster in football. They have the most talent on offense, and everybody is coming back healthy. And I think the big X factor is Christian McCaffrey. He's really been the MVP of this team, and this is a security blanket that Brock Purdy really is going to rely on, and I think that Purdy's going to be fine in his first postseason start. Meanwhile, Saturday night, this is the quarterback matchup that I want to see. Justin Herbert taking on Trevor Lawrence. There is talks. If the Chargers were to lose against Jacksonville, that head coach Brandon Staley might be out of a job. Wouldn't that be a perfect opportunity for either Jim Harbaugh or Sean Payton? To come in. They have the best situation when it comes to quarterback. I think they just need a new coach. Chargers roster is loaded, but for some reason, they get into situations where they get out coached. And remember, Doug Peterson has a Super Bowl win with the Eagles. I think that the Jaguars are playing with house money. A lot of people didn't expect them to be there. And I think the Jaguars could get the victory. Waiting in the wings is the Kansas City Chiefs. I think that. Buffalo and Cincinnati will have no problem winning their games. And so we're going to have a matchup.
between the winner of the Chargers Jaguars going up against the Kansas City Chiefs and then Buffalo and Cincinnati. We get to see that game. That game didn't finish, unfortunately, because of the DeMar Hamlin situation. Buffalo and Cincinnati, that is going to be a very fascinating divisional round playoff game. The divisional round is next week, but if you look at who I think are going to win, I think if the Giants pull off the upset against the Vikings, they're traveling to Philly. They're going to take on the Philadelphia Eagles, and the winner of the Cowboys-Buccaneers is going to take on the 49ers. So let's say the Vikings win. Well, the Vikings are going to take on the 49ers in the divisional round. And then the winner of the Cowboys-Buccaneers is going to take on the Eagles. What matchup scares you the most if you're an Eagles fan? Do you want to take on your division rival, the Giants, who if they get the victory over the Vikings, that they actually have a decent team that almost pulled off that win on the last game of the season? Or do you want to take on the Cowboys, another division rival? It's always tough playing your division rivals in the postseason. Or do you think the Eagles, with Jalen Hurts, can he win a playoff game over Tom Brady? Any one of those matchups, I think the Philadelphia Eagles could have some trouble, especially if Lane Johnson is not going to play. Jalen Hurts is still banged up, and the Eagles have been unproven in the postseason. I know they had a great regular season, but they limped to the finish line. If, for some reason, they're able to get by, probably with a narrow win against any one of those teams, I believe the 49ers should have no problem against the Minnesota Vikings in the divisional round. And then you have a matchup between the 49ers and the Eagles in Philly, which the Niners' defense travels well, and the Niners have the running game with Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell. I know the Eagles would be favored in that game, but it would not surprise me if the Niners were able to get the victory and represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. Buffalo and Cincinnati, it is a toss-up. I actually would give the slight edge to Cincinnati. And so you would have an AFC championship game between Kansas City and Cincinnati, a rematch from last year. And I just think that Patrick Mahomes is just playing on another level. So the Super Bowl that, I know nobody wants to see this again, the Super Bowl that's probably going to happen is the Chiefs and the 49ers. So there you go. That is my Super Bowl pick. And I am going to say, because a rookie quarterback has never won a Super Bowl, I'm going to say the Kansas City Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl. And they are going to have a new dynasty. They'll be the team of the 2020s. As long as Andy Reid is there with Patrick Mahomes, I think the Chiefs are the team to beat just about every year. All right, before I get Justin Dale on the show, hey, we got a parade in Athens this Saturday afternoon. Once again, the Georgia Bulldogs are going to have a parade in the state of Georgia. Are we taking this for granted? As a Georgia fan, I know that national championship, which was, by the way, the lowest rated national championship since 1999. How excited are you for the Georgia Bulldogs this year? You know, they might have another number one overall pick. They had Trayvon Walker last year. They might have Jalen Carter this year as the overall number one pick. But Stetson Bennett is going to go to the NFL. Who starts? For the Georgia Bulldogs in 2023, is it going to be Carson Beck? Is it going to be Brock Vandegriff? Is it going to be Gunnar Stockton? I tell you what, looking at that schedule, the only game that worries me the most is when they have to go to Knoxville to take on the Tennessee Volunteers. 
Can the Georgia Bulldogs three-peat? Remember, no team in college football has ever three-peated. Now, there's been some teams that have gotten close. USC taking on Texas in the national championship in 2006. If Vince Young does not put the Superman cape on, I believe USC wins their third straight national championship. Although one of those was an asterisk because they shared one with LSU. If the kick six doesn't happen, I strongly believe Alabama wins their third straight national championship. This college football is just so crazy. I would not count on Georgia three-peating, even though they are the odds-on favorite to win the national championship in 2023. I actually think that Alabama is going to come back with a vengeance. But who is going to be their starting quarterback? Jalen Milroe? I don't know. All I know is Nick Saban's not going anywhere. LSU might look good. Brian Kelly's second year? Look out for LSU. Jimbo Fisher will be on the hot seat at Texas A&M. The bottom line up front, the SEC is still the king of college football. And as I have a podcast here in Georgia, it's not an SEC bias. It's just the truth. You look at all the players that go to the NFL coming out of the SEC, and they have won 13 out of the last 19 national championships. There was a two-year stretch where Florida State and Ohio State won national championships. And All right, I think it's about that time on the show where I take a quick break, but don't go anywhere. When I come back, I'm going to have Justin Dale on the show. We'll be right back with Justin. This is the show, and we're not going to change it. And we are back on the show, and it's been a while, but I have Justin Dale once again on the day after Georgia wins their back-to-back national championship. Justin, welcome. Thanks for having me back on the show, man. It's been a great uh, great 24 hours, um, especially for Bulldog Nation. Yes, it has. And, Justin, you posted on Facebook last year when Georgia beat Alabama 33-18 to that it, it was an emotional experience for you. You were with jubilation. They haven't won the national championship in 41 years. They got over the mountaintop. Now, going into this year, and we're, we're as Georgia fans, we're like, yeah, let's run it back. But the skeptics said, no, nah, Alabama's preseason number one, Ohio State's preseason number two. Uh, Georgia is still good, but they lost 15 players on defense to the NFL, five first-round draft picks. And Georgia silenced the critics. How are you feeling this morning, knowing that this is the only team in the state of Georgia, you know, the 90 Georgia Tech couldn't do it. I mean, they would have got boat raced by Miami in 91. The 96 Braves couldn't do it. The 2019 Atlanta United couldn't do it. But this is the first team in the state of Georgia to go back to back. How does it feel? It's good, man. It's pretty surreal, actually. Um, just trying to take that all in and thinking about it. And, you know, I got a lot of congratulatory text messages and stuff from friends um, about winning another natty and stuff. And they said, how's it feel to go back to back? And I just, I'm just like, it's just, it's still, it's still hitting me. I think the significance of what we did, um, you know, and the fact that in the last two years, you know, we went 14 and one last year, 15 and oh, this year um, it's huge. I mean, it's huge. And we lost one game in two year period. It's pretty, pretty dominant stretch. Um, for two for two years and 
I think it's I think it's even more satisfying knowing that we, we were doubted, you know, going into the season. I was even, you know, I remember preseason, we were pre-ranked number three, and I was upset about that going, hey, we're defending national champions. I understand Alabama, you know, they got the history and everything. Ohio State, I was a little bit more perturbed about that. Um, I knew they had C.J. Stroud. I knew they had a lot of weapons on their team, but I just felt like we were disrespected as the defending national champions being the number three team in the country. Um, and, of course, that changed after week one, after we completely boat raced uh, Oregon in the uh, Chick-fil-A kickoff game. But, uh, you know, that whole season, it, it, you know, Georgia had their moments. I mean, they had their moments. They looked very dominant. Oregon, South Carolina, Tennessee, LSU. I mean, they looked like, you know, nobody could touch them. And then they had the games like they did against Missouri um, as well as Kent State where they didn't look that great. Um, You know, they played really, really bad football for three quarters against Ohio State. Uh, But this team has a resiliency to it. And you just kind of saw as time went on, um, Stetson Bennett just got more comfortable. um, And he got to the point where he was – the the quarterback nobody wanted back you know after we won the national title we were all happy about it but we were kind of like all right you can step away now we don't really need you um a lot of us were you know there was some doubts of whether he could carry the offense without having that generational defense that he had in 2021 um but he he cleared all those doubters wrong and he played exceptional this year all this way on a way to a he was a heisman trophy finalist um which i know shocked a lot of people um and he also you know two national championships, two uh, national champion MVP awards, Peach Bowl MVP award, or uh, Orange Bowl MVP award. The accolades just kept coming for him. Um, and you got we got to a point as a team, we just, you know, at least I, I quit doubting him. You know, um, I was like, he's going he's gonna to do it. We're going to live and die on Stetson Bennett. And we, we did, and he's going to go down as the greatest quarterback in Georgia history. Stetson Bennett, 25 years old. You know, he's the same age as Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. I just find that fascinating. I know, right? <laughs> right but you, you got to understand just the maturity and mm-hmm. probably the mental toughness of a 25-year-old compared to an 18- and 19-year-old. Justin, you remember I went back to Freed Hardman. I was 26 when I went back. You know that I did play intramural sports. And mm-hmm. I'm not trying to brag or anything, but I dominated basketball because I was playing against 18- and 19-year-olds. The right. same thing happened with Stetson Bennett at age 25, going back to George for what is sixth year, seventh year, six year. Yeah. He got the six year with the COVID year in 2020. Did you think he might get a seventh year? <laughs> I mean, he could have probably gotten one if he applied for it, I guess. Um, but you know, it's, he has a remarkable story, you know, walk on quarterback transferred to Juco came back on scholarship um the coaches basically told him i mean i think the todd munkin told him if you want to play you need to go somewhere else you know they basically tried to dissuade him and tried to push him away and say we don't need you um but he just kept fighting he kept fighting he kept playing he said i'm gonna stick it out i'm gonna put in the work and do what i needed to do and you know he went from being the guy nobody wanted to being um you know, like I said, one of the greatest court, want to be the greatest quarterback in UGA history and probably be one of the best college football players, honestly, in, in, in college football history, too, with what he's accomplished. He's definitely going to go into the College Football Hall of Fame. But has he made himself the greatest Georgia Bulldog of all time, even comparing himself to the likes of Herschel? Uh, I mean, I don't know, because Herschel's so beloved in, in, in Dog Nation. Um, I, I think. 
I think Stetson's probably now on par with Herschel for sure. Um, I think time will tell how we remember Stetson's legacy and if we do remember him more fondly than we do uh, Herschel Walker and what he did and accomplished for the state of Georgia um, and for the University of Georgia as well, uh, winning a national championship in 1980 and a Heisman Trophy Award and, and, and all that. So I think that, you know, Stetson – um, I'll tell you this, Stetson will never have to buy a drink again in the state of Georgia, that's for sure, um, with what he's done. And I, I definitely think Stetson's put himself on par with with, guy, with with the likes of Herschel Walker as far as his legacy. Justin, it got me thinking about Stetson Bennett. What's next for Stetson Bennett? You know what? Go ahead. The critics, go ahead and tell him that he can't play in the NFL, that he's not going to be able to make an NFL roster. Yeah, that's just the exact motivation fuel that Stetson needs. You just watch, Justin. He's going to make it on an NFL roster and he's going to get a chance to play. And he may once again, surprise all of us. What do you think about Stetson Bennett in the NFL? Well, I mean, a year ago, I'd have said no way. There's no way this guy's can play in the NFL. He's undersized. You know, they have him build at 5'11", which might be a little generous. And, you know, the size, the arm strength, but I mean, there's a moxie to him and there's a swagger to him that I know I got, there was a couple of different friends of mine that have, you know, told me, they said, Oh, I, you know, Georgia, Georgia deserves what they're getting this year. They're a good team, but I can't, they can't stand Stetson Bennett because he's too cocky. And I was just like, well, you know, for him to have the journey he has to be go from walk on to two-time national champion quarterback, I think you got to be cocky to do that. Honestly, I think you got to have that confidence in yourself. Um, and, and I think if he wants to go to the NFL, I definitely think a team will take a flyer out on him. I, I think he could get a be a you know maybe as high as a fifth round pick, but more like a sixth or seventh round pick. Somebody will probably take him. He'll probably have to start on the scout team. Um, he'd be a really good scout team quarterback given his mobility and stuff. Um, but I think he, if he works hard and sticks with it, you know, somebody might give him a chance. Injuries happen. I mean, look at your 49ers. Look at their starting quarterback right now. I'm glad you, you mentioned Brock Purdy because that's a great segue. Uh, Brock Purdy looks like he could be a top 10 quarterback and and the, the 49ers looking like the favorites to win the Super Bowl. But that's another podcast. I do have 49ers fans <laughs> that, that I will get here on the show, and we will talk that up, especially if the 49ers make it to the Super Bowl. But let's talk about your Atlanta Falcons, 7-10. and 10. Back-to-back 7-10 and 10 seasons. Arthur Smith is going to officially be on the hot seat in 2023. I'm sorry to say I know that they were rebuilding, but Arthur Blank, he's getting up there in age. He wants to win now. And this division, right. the NFC South, this was there for the taking. It should have been the Falcons that hosted a playoff game and facing the Dallas Cowboys, not the Buccaneers. I think it was too little too late. Desmond Ritter, who threw two touchdown passes against the Buccaneers, and I think that Desmond Ritter is going to get his shot to start in 2023. I like their rookie pieces. Tyler Algier, the first rookie running back for the Falcons to rush for over 1,000 yards since William Andrews. Kyle Pitts is going to come back for his third season. And Drake London was a great target. But I think the Falcons need another wide receiver. I was looking at some mock NFL 2023 drafts. And Quentin Johnson, the wide receiver from TCU, He's like going to Carolina at number, uh, I think Carolina's picking in the top 10. I think the Falcons, they picked Drake London, their first pick in the NFL draft last year. What do you think about the Falcons? I know they need a pass rusher. What do you think about the Falcons picking up Quentin Johnson, that complimentary wide receiver to go alongside Drake London? 
I mean, that's definitely a possibility, you know, and I know Quentin Johnson didn't have a very good national. I mean, TCU didn't have a very good national championship game together yeah. collectively, but um, Quentin Johnson had one catch for three yards. <laughs> I mean, it was, oh, it, was yeah. bad, it was a bad night, but I mean, Quentin Johnson, you know, take that away. He had a fantastic year. He's established himself as a uh, top receiver, um, especially in this draft class. And I mean, yeah, the Falcons have a top 10 pick, uh, seventh or eighth. Now I'm blanking on when the pick is now, but um but yeah, they'll they get a pick. You know, they'll have a good good selection at that at that pick for themselves. Um, I, another thing too with the Falcons, this you know, one thing that's really beneficial for the Falcons is they've, you know, they had to endure a couple of years with the trade of Julio Jones, with the trade of Matt Ryan. They had all this dead money against the cap, and and they really kind of hand, it kind of tied their hands as far as you know what they could spend in free agency too and so this year this this coming off season the falcons actually free up a good bit of that cap money they're going to have a good bit of money to go spend for this team next year and so i i do expect this team to spend some money get some get some players in there as well as try to draft well they've got a great young core right now um tyler algier has really come on i think i don't think people expected him to, to have the kind of rookie season he did um, he's had a good year. Uh, Desmond Ritter, you know, played well in the four games. He got a chance to kind of audition. I, I think that that Arthur Smith waited too long to make this change, honestly, because while Desmond Ritter, the first game, he did look like a rookie, <laughs> like what, you know, kind of like what you would expect. He definitely showed progressional, you know, his, his progression and getting better week over week in those four games. Um, you saw some improvement. He finally threw his first touchdown pass of his career in the NFL on Sunday against Tampa Bay. And so I, I like, I think Desmond Ritter didn't do anything that's going to cost him the chance to have the starting job next year. I definitely think the Falcons bring in another veteran quarterback. Marcus Mariota is gone. He's out the door. And so um, they'll definitely bring in somebody else. I know I've heard some talk about maybe Derek Carr or somebody like that in to compete. Ryan with- Tannehill. Granted, Ryan Tannehill's another name, um, and, and that's fine. You know, bring in a veteran that can help push Desmond Ritter as well as compete with him. You, you know, iron, shop, shop, yeah, iron sharpens iron, so you need to have that competition in there for sure. And I think that's what they'll probably do. Um, they'll bring in another veteran quarterback. Um, they won't draft a. I don't. I don't. I don't foresee the Falcons drafting another rookie quarterback, at least not this year. Um, I think they want to give Desmond Ritter a, a good. You know, more like I said, he's done enough to show he can handle the pressure being an NFL quarterback, at least right now, give him more of a look next year with a veteran behind him uh, that can also play the position if if Desmond Ritter falls flat on his face and you have a chance to um, then you can have a chance to draft another quarterback maybe the following year in 2024 or something like that. But um, I definitely see the Falcons spending some big money in free agency this year to improve either getting another wide receiver, a veteran wide receiver to pair with Drake London, or going to get a veteran pass rusher um, that can bring they can bring in, or they might go young with the pass rusher instead. Um, I think they've they've spent some money in the past few years on trying to bring in veteran pass rushers that haven't panned out um, as well as they would have hoped. So maybe they decide to go draft one this year instead, and maybe they just go sign a veteran receiver that can pair with Drake London and help him out. But I think that the, uh, I, I think next year you should see improvement, but I do think Arthur Smith is definitely going to be scrutinized a little bit more carefully next year, especially if the Falcons do spend good money, bring in some good players and draft well in the draft, you know, now that they have won't have so much you know money tied up in dead money, 
they'll be able to have a more flexibility and we'll have to see what Arthur Smith can do with a roster that's no longer hand 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 tied behind financial constraints with the cap. So, and if he doesn't play well next year, if we do spend money in free agency and the Falcons still finish seven and 10 or eight and nine or something along those like 500 mark or below, then yeah, I think he'll definitely be on the hot seat for sure. Um, because now, now that, we knew there'd be a rough couple of years trying to get out from underneath the, the weight of the cap, the, the stuff that we had done with Dimitrov have done before we kind of cleaned house, but now that we're getting clear of that and we can actually start signing players. Now it's time to see some real improvement with this Falcons team. All right. Before I let you go, uh, what you got going on on Saturday, uh, January 21st. There's like I'm something be, going on at Truett's Park. Or? There is, man. We'll be at Braves Fest. Braves Fest, yes, from twelve to four. Oh man, are you looking forward to Braves Fest and uh, trying to take some pictures with some Atlanta Braves? Absolutely, um, Braves Fest. I'm glad they brought it back. I enjoyed the uh, Braves Fest they had in the past um, before COVID hit. Um, they had some good ones um, in the past. I enjoyed the, you know, getting autographs, getting some pictures made, um, checking out what the uh, Braves Foundation had on sale and. And, and stuff like that. It was a really good time um, to be there, just kind of be back at the park, enjoy kind of being back in the back at the park. You get kind of excited. It's January, a couple months away from well, you're a month away from spring training, you know, start really getting started and two months, two months this away from the season. So it gets you excited about the next season for Braves baseball. But yeah, they're always good. And I, I know they haven't had them the last two years because of COVID and health concerns and things like that. But it's really nice to see them bring it back this year. And hopefully it'll be very successful, should be very successful. We are about a month away from pitchers and catchers reporting. One event that I'm excited that they brought back that they just completely canceled because of COVID was the World Baseball Classic. Mm -hmm. The United States are the defending champions. They won it back in 2017. Boy, that was a long time ago. This is supposed to be a four-year event. They should have had it in 2021, but it was canceled because of COVID. I looked at the United States teams and they'll get underway in March. I mean, they play it right before the spring training games. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, Bryce Harper got hurt. Uh, otherwise he would have played for team USA. I think Mike Trout is on that team. Mookie Betts. I mean, they got a lot of great players. That's exactly what we want to see as baseball fans. And because this is America's game that we actually have the best players that play for the United States on Team USA, and and that's the right answer. You, you need to go out there and pitch a Clayton Kershaw and pick pitch a Max Scherzer and a Justin Verlander. I mean, that's if we brought our best players to represent Team USA, we would dominate this thing. We would beat Japan. We would beat the Dominican Republic. And I expect the United States to win yet another World Baseball Classic. I, I agree. Uh, I mean, like you said, this is this is America's pastime. This is our game, and. It's great to see it be international. It's great to see other countries love baseball too and have players come from other countries and stuff like that. Um, I'm, I, I love the WBC. I, I thought it was a great inception when they brought it, when they announced it. I was like, this is fantastic. Um, you know, uh, part of it too is it, it seems like, you know, other some other countries, especially Latin American countries, those players, they love to represent their country no matter what it is. They have a lot of pride in where they come from. Not saying Americans don't have pride in where they come from, but just it's on another level, it seems like, in some of these other countries. And, um, you know, in the, in the first couple of years, in the 06, the 09 um, WBC uh, you could just you could tell like there was there was there were some star names on those teams, but it wasn't as good as it could have been. They didn't have some some of the bigger players in the games that decided to opt out. They didn't want a chance getting hurt before the season started. 
2013 was really embarrassing for uh, the Americans and WBC as they didn't get out of the second round. Um, but then 2017, I felt like those players kind of took it personal, like, hey, this is the fourth year of this. Japan's won it twice. The Dominicans run it once. And we haven't won it at all yet. And they, they took it more serious and they played with a lot of heart and a lot of passion and they won it. Um, and it's, you know, it's great. We're defending champions. You know, I hate COVID kind of COVID really interrupted a lot of the, you know, four year type international tournaments and stuff, the Olympics, uh, you know, World Cup, stuff like that. And so this is just being pushed back two years from 2021. But, yeah, I'm excited to see it back. I'm, I'm glad that it didn't get wiped out or thrown out because of COVID. Um, and so because I, I always enjoyed watching the games myself. And so I'm excited to see that, the you know, the roster looks good for Team USA. And I, and I think they'll, you know, it, I think it'll be a good tournament. I hope we can go defend our title and bring bring home another one. Justin, as always, is great having you on the show. And uh, love to have you back as uh, we get ready, as we get ready to uh, – talk some Atlanta Braves uh, this upcoming season. Absolutely, man. It's getting, you know, now that football is winding down, at least college football is winding down. The Falcons are done. Now it's looking forward to some some baseball in the spring. So I can't wait. Absolutely. All right. That was Justin Dale. Uh, he's been a guest before and uh, always great insight with Atlanta sports and uh, just great having him on the show. That's all the time I have here on the show. Thank you, everybody, once again for listening and watching another episode here of the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. Hope everybody has a great rest of your day, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. You are listening to the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge, broadcasted on WQEE 99.1 FM, the key from 2 to 3 p.m., Monday through Friday. This is a local podcast that covers Columbus sports and beyond. If you would like to hear more of this podcast, you can download us on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And I hope you have a great rest of your day.